0: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, this is where the best run, we always say it, And we always mean it. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a website, cbinsights.com. I don't know the author, but this will set us up very nicely. Okay. Smart cities will vacuum up data and attempt to protect it. Let's just let that image settle in. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about the data revolution and the competition to become the smart city of the future. That's all very, very real. There's something about being a smart city that is supposed to attract businesses and residents and activities and leisure and all kinds of activities that make people want to go to that hub. And we understand from various statistics, I think the UN has some, that the urbanization of our civilization all over the world is just growing at a faster and faster pace. People are gravitating to cities. So what is happening with data? Well, all of this, the data revolution and the smart city of the future activities, the the forward-looking people are combining to exponentially transform our cities right now. Visionary city leaders, and that's who we want. We want them to be at the helm. They're embracing business model innovation to reimagine what makes a city run. Public services, come on, not everybody's going to have a car. You need public services, transportation, water, electricity, power, all kinds of things. What about urban sustainability? You want the city to grow and be there for a long, long time, and economic growth, That's what fuels everything. These are all powered by data. Data, data, data. That's what we're talking about today. So is your city in the running for the smart city of the future? We'll just leave that one alone. And you can all look in the mirror and say, hmm, yes, it's one of the most famous smart cities or... No, we're not quite there yet. I'm going to stick around and listen to Bonnie's three experts today and see what we can do. So welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is a special edition. This was um, a show we did on the Smart Cities of the Future Game Changing Smart Cities series a few months ago. And the conversation was so lively that I've invited our three panelists back for part two because I wanted our Coffee Break with Game Changers audience around the world to benefit from this very, very smart panel. So let me tell you who they are and then we'll get started. First, up in a moment, I will be introducing you to Harold Wouters. If you're looking him up, W O U T E R S, he is a senior strategist at the city of Den Bosch, B O S C H, aka the Dutch data science capital in the Netherlands. I love that. Welcome back, Harold. Joining him is another returning guest, Ivan Caballero, the founder and CEO of an organization called City Beats, C I T I B E A. T.S. Looking forward to speaking with Yvonne. And rounding out the panel is a gentleman who brings us these smart cities stories. It's Max Claps, Future Cities, Citizen Engagement, and Postal Business at SAP. Welcome back, Max. Very happy to have you. So let's get started. Harold has sent us a quote from Yuval Noah Harari, and the quote is from the book Homo Deuce. Let me just read a little background here. Harari is the author of the critically acclaimed New York Times bestseller and international phenomenon, Sapiens. And he's back with an equally original, compelling, and provocative book, turning his focus toward humanity's future and our quest to upgrade humans into gods. Okay. Homo Deus explores the projects, dreams, and nightmares that will shape the 21st century. I'll stop there. Here's the quote Harold has selected. In the 21st century... Our personal data is probably the most valuable resource most humans still have to offer. And we are giving it to the tech giants in exchange for email services and funny cat videos. (laughs) Harold, I wasn't going to accept the quote because it's on our topic, but when I got to the funny cat videos, I said, we got to do this. How are you, Harold Watters? Welcome back.
2: I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for having me again on the the Uh show.
1: Delighted. Talk to me about this quote, and have you read Homo Deus? Do you recommend the book?
2: I'm busy reading it right now, but I read Sapiens, and it's one one of the best books I've read. I'm really into history, and it's about mankind and uh, how we developed in the last 200,000 years, and it's uh, I think Yuval Noah
1: Harari is one of the smartest people uh, out there, so it's a great read. Great. Great recommendation, thank you. So, tell me about the quote. We all hear data is the new oil, and data is the new everything. And, and we're talking today about the data-driven smart city. So, the quote is about personal data. But why don't you relate that to smart cities for us, please?
2: Yeah, I think that when you look at, um, there's a lot of discussion going on about uh, personal data and giving it to uh, to tech companies, just like Facebooks and the Googles and. And I think when they started their services, when they started Gmail and they started the Facebook, it, they didn't realize that they were sitting on a pot of gold. They just came along when people, the community got engaged and more people were attracted. And then they noticed that they were sitting on a pot of gold. But I didn't, I don't think it was their first intention. But coming to think of it, that data is that what you said, it's, it's like gold or is it the new oil? Um, coming to think of it, that the, the exchange of data and the, the algorithms and all the, the, the data we're getting from people, it really can help us to develop new business models. And I think in, if you look at it in that sense, because I, I took this quote because it's a bit provocative saying that it's about email services or people using it for funny cat videos, but come to think of it, all the data that is gathered right now from people, it can really help us to uh, predict to, to advertise much more efficiently. That's, of course, interesting, but also to, to come up with completely new, different different business models than we did, than we used to. And I think that's the most interesting thing of the real-time data that is gathered right now. Uh, of course, personal data, and we're looking at it in, in the Netherlands just to create uh, maybe a data file, a vault. Um, mm-hmm. You have this app called uh, Irma, and it's, uh, I release my attributes, it's where you can lock your own uh, personal data and you can give it to which, whichever uh, organization whenever you want it instead of that really? you give it away for free or give it away for uh, exchange for uh, some
3: services.
1: Very interesting. And and was this uh, something that was propelled, the idea to develop this app, Harold, was this something that was sparked by, shall we say, grassroots campaign among citizens? Was this something that businesses recognized? What was the impetus for this? I'm very interested. The
2: the, the public authorities, they notice that from all the organizations where the public data is stored, personal data is stored, they notice that whenever uh, it, the data is attracted, they are copying data. So the data is multiplied and multiplied. You can imagine that it's really costly when all the data is, is, is copied and stored and you have like a spaghetti of all the wires when it's connected. And they, they notice that they had to come up with a new system uh, and they, they call it in the call it Common Ground, where all the mm-hmm. organizations they can uh, use the integrated uh, space just to attract the data. And then they came across that, that it's really useful for people to get to also create a vault for this app where you can uh, say whenever you want the, the data to be released. So it's just, it came from the public authorities basically
1: very interesting so it was based on efficiency it was based probably somewhat on privacy it was based on on uh, monetary reasons that's very interesting because that sounds like all of the all of the elements that you would want in a new business model that recognizes the presence of data the availability of it but all of the things i mentioned so we agree on that is that appropriate
0: yeah yeah of
1: course sure Thank you. Thank. Very interesting. Good start to our show, Harold. I knew I could count on you. And I can't wait to find out what your favorite drink is. I'm not going to mention it, but I wrote down last time you were on the show what you said, and I even have a link to it at the Irish Times, but I won't give that one away. Let's see if you have a different favorite drink today. And moving a little bit around the table, we'll let Harold off the hook here for a couple of minutes, Yvonne Caballero at City Beats. And Yvonne has selected a quote from a Chinese proverb. We haven't had one of these in a long time, Yvonne. And let me just give for anybody who doesn't know what a Chinese proverb is in general. A Chinese proverb is a popular saying taken from literature, history, and famous people like philosophers. It's often used colloquially. There are hundreds, I'm going to guess there are thousands of Chinese proverbs addressing all aspects of life from education and work to personal goals and relationships. And I would add, this is me talking, aspirations and inspirations. I think that's what we use them for. So here is the very aspiring and inspiring quote from a Chinese proverb Yvonne has brought us today. Quote, when the winds of change blow, some people build walls and others build windmills. Yvonne, welcome back. How are you? Fine. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Thank you. Talk to me about this quote. We've got the winds of change. We're not going to talk about the political version of what walls are, but we're going to talk about the concept of walls, meaning barriers in general, versus windmills, meaning woo. So talk to me. What does this mean for our topic?
3: Yeah, of course. I think this uh, quote applies very well to to this data topic uh, in cities. Uh, and I think that you opened very well um, the conversation um, explaining that uh United Nations uh, predictions say that yes. uh, over 60, 67% of the population will live uh, in cities by 2050. Uh, this is a very important social trend. And uh, on the other hand, um, what I'm experiencing in my day-by-day is that there is a lot of uh, decentralization of management, so local authorities um, are getting more power and resources to address economic, social, environmental challenges, and uh, this is um, this is becoming like a big responsibility to them uh, in order to react effectively and uh, with uh, transparency uh, and generating uh, urban management mechanisms that um, react to people's needs. So my personal view on this topic is that um, cities uh, really need to create and consolidate data infrastructure to allow them to collect, to share data uh, in order to serve more efficiently and faster to citizens' needs, and um, the cities that are, uh, are able to do this will be, will be able to build uh, as Harold was mentioning, new business models uh, using technologies like artificial intelligence um, that can provide them fast and very important outcomes. So my perception is that in the coming years, uh, all the cities that embrace this change will be able to grow fast and to build um, amazing um, services in order to improve uh, citizens' lives. And the ones that... Um, uh, become more resi- uh, more resistant uh, to do that. Um, will uh, will lose a lot of uh, opportunities, and uh, it's probably probably we will uh, we will have a big gap between them.
1: Mm, thank you very much. Very interesting. What did you think of the app that Harold just mentioned in terms of allowing us to safe keep? I'm going to say a, a different word than Harold and I discussed. We talked about storing, but safe keep our personal data and decide. To whom and where and when we release it—is that something that uh, you would find very interesting or appropriate where you are?
3: Of course, I think uh, this is—it's uh, not—it's not only interesting; it's something really, really needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone needs to be aware on um, where is everyone sharing their data and uh, how is this data being stored, and also. Uh, dissociated, uh, so in, in order to keep or, um, let's say privacy, but also, uh, this uh, sharing data mechanism, safe, uh, mechanism are really needed in order to be able to, uh, build, um, better services for the citizens.
1: Thank you very much. Good good uh good take on that. I appreciate that, Yvonne. We have a lot to talk about with you and I know our listeners can't wait to hear what City Beats is. We hope that our listeners on Coffee Break, our flagship show that I started in twenty eleven, we hope that they're aware that we have more than forty, that's four zero, other game changers series under the SAP Presents Game Changers radio banner. And I'm not always sure that people have heard some of the other series. So that's why I invite really smart people like you, Yvonne and Harold and Max to come on to Coffee Break to speak to our biggest audience. And that's why we repeat some of the information that we have on the other series so that we expose you to the audience. And I have to mention that amazingly, we had over a million and a quarter listeners to all of our shows last year, all over the world. And I have to think that there's some really smart people there listening to the business channel for insights like the three of you are sharing today. So the three of you contributed to that, and I appreciate that. And now I will move along around the table to Max Claps. And Max, I'm pushing hard for you to bring back our game-changing Smart Cities of the Future show because it's (laughs) such an important... Max, come on, with this urbanization that's going on all over the world. We want to know what's happening to our cities. It's so important. You and I will talk off air. No pressure. Forgive me for that. Max has brought us a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, 1803 to 1882, an American essayist, lecturer, philosopher, and poet who led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century. He was seen as a champion of individualism. Wouldn't he have Found it interesting, Max, to live in these times. Individualism. Talking to Harold about an app that will help us preserve our privacy online. Good luck with that. And he was a prescient critic of the countervailing pressures of society. He published... Essays and more than 1,500 public lectures across the United States. He once gave a speech called The American Scholar that Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. called America's Intellectual Declaration of Independence. Very interesting. Here's the quote Do not go where the path may lead you. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Max, what a beautiful quote. Welcome back, Max Claps. How are you? I'm really good, Bonnie. It's great to be back. Thank you. Talk to me about this gorgeous quote. I want to crochet it somewhere on a pillow or write it on the side of my garage wall. I don't know. I'm going to put it somewhere. It's beautiful. Talk to, that's what Game <laughs> Changers Radio is. We are going where there's no path and leaving a trail. So help me leave that trail. Go ahead, Max. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there's a couple of things that inspired me out of that quote. The first one is the trail, and I'm, I'm an avid hiker uh, and mountaineer. Mm. Uh, at an amateur level I want to specify so the idea of the trail is is really resonating with me and I like the fact that it inspires people to take Mm -hmm. matters in their own hands I'm not a fan of individualism per se but I'm a fan of people that take responsibility and embrace challenges to make an impact for themselves and for the city the collective the community and that is where data can lead cities. Uh, it is in driving innovation. It is in embracing the ecosystem. It is in making an impact on the day-by-day lives of citizens. And I'll give you two pretty uh, different examples. One at a very practical level, I read recently of a city in the U.S. that was using data about their graffiti incidents Mm -hmm. uh, to redesign the allocation of responsibilities for their inspectors, because they quickly found out after looking at the data that some inspector had to deal with uh, thousands of graffitis because a certain neighborhood was particularly heavy in terms of those episodes and other inspectors that were probably going to have their coffee break at 11 a.m. because their neighborhood (laughs) was not problematic. And they used that data to reallocate some responsibility and use more efficiently the resources and the knowledge they had. So I thought that was a very simple example of how they would use the data. It was not with SAP, so uh, there's no commercial here, but I thought it, it was a very interesting example. A different one a little bit more complex where a UK local council is merging and consolidating data from different sources to uh, identify families and people at risk of falling into problems with unemployment or with need to have child support or even getting in trouble with with the criminal justice system. And that touches very much uh, the individual's life and it raises questions, of course, in terms of how much the government can intrude into people's life and mm-hmm. make recommendations to avoid those risks. But those two examples are examples of unchartered
1: paths that CPs yes. are
0: taking because of what data allows them to do.
1: Max, thank you. And while you were speaking, you know what I was doing. I was Googling what you were talking about, graffiti, smart cities, and data. And I found an article published on June 14th last year, 2018, on Forbes.com called How AI Could Tackle City Problems Like Graffiti, trash and fires and I'm just going to read two sentences here if that's okay with you max just to uh, talk about what's going on the tra- here it's a little bit of a story the trash truck rumbles down the street and its cameras pour video into the city's data lake an AI powered application mines that image data looking for graffiti and advises whether to dispatch a fully equipped paint crew or a squad with just soap and brushes. That's one of the scenarios. What do you think of that?
0: That's a very interesting one. Uh, very practical use of existing assets, like the truck, um, to make it more efficient to deal with the graffiti.
1: Thank you very much. Fascinating. We we need to do a show on smart cities and graffiti. What do you keep? What do you wash over? <laughs> what do you what do you invite the people who are the originators? If you can identifying Harold, maybe in that protected data we can find the people who do. If we don't have them on camera, find the people who make the graffiti who are really good and invite them to do art exhibits in city hall. Exactly. Just yeah. What do you think? I think fun. we're yeah. I think we're onto something. And Yvonne could report all that on on city beats. He could do. I think we're onto something here. Max, brilliant to bring that up. Thank you. Let's go back around the table, and now it's time to find out a little more about our three extraordinarily smart and savvy panelists, Harold Wouders at City of Denbosch. Harold, three questions. Where are you today? I think I know. Number two, what's your favorite drink? And let's see if it matches what you told me last year when you were on the air. And number three, give us a little update on what you are doing and what's happening with the City of Denbosch. Harold.
2: All right. First of all, I'm sitting in the city of Eindhoven. I'm at home.
1: Uh, that's the best place to do this interview.
2: So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it from my uh, from my bedroom. Um, second of all, um, um, I have this tradition with my girlfriend to go to uh, for Christmas around Christmas holidays. We go around Europe to uh, to visit one of the uh, one of the cities in Europe. And um, we don't do that everywhere, every year because then we go buy uh, Christmas decorations. So we buy one Christmas ball wherever we go each year. And we decorate Ooh. our Christmas tree with all the different balls. Um, we went to Vienna last December. And it's... Uh, have you been to Vienna, Bonnie? Yeah.
1: I have not. I was, went through Europe, very parts of Europe, when I was 18, and that was just a couple of years ago. I'm laughing, of course, and I haven't been back ever since. So that was in the last millennium. What can I tell you? Go ahead.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's a gorgeous city. It's great. But um, it, coming from the Netherlands, it's quite mild in December. Going to Vienna, it was blistering cold. Getting off the plane, we, we literally froze our faces off. So we went to buy new hats. We bought some, brought some proper gloves. And then we went to Christmas market, you know, where you could buy all the decorations and the funny stuff at the Rathausplatz in uh, Vienna. It's a great site there. It's really cozy. Really, it's, it's quite touristic, but still, it's really uh, something to, to, to check out. Um, and then we went there and we bought, uh, bought the glue wine, you know, the milk wine. I'm uh-huh. sure Ivan uh, uh, knows the, the cold version, the sangria. It's a bit of a bit the warm version, the <laughs> hot version. But it's, and I really love the, the, the way it really helps you uh, counter the cold there. It's when it, we just took one and then uh, you, you forget all about the cold and the freezing, everything. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it really it works. So that was my, my best experience there. And uh, even later on in that day, I went to, uh, to the Castle, to the palace. And in the, in the garden there, uh, in the snow, I proposed to my girlfriend. So that was uh, yeah,
1: one day to remember exactly. Oh, oh, everybody, come on. Yvonne and Max, join me in an, oh, come on. Oh, oh, there we go. See, we had a chorus Thank of O's. Congratulations. I will venture to say Mazeltov. That's what my people say. And that means good, good luck and good wishes and, and happiness to you and your fiance. How beautiful. Now, now Thank we have to do much. a show about proposing in smart cities. I think. <laughs> Max, there's one of your topics for the new Smart City series. I just <laughs> helped you out there. And Harold, update us on the city of Denbosch. What are you doing there these days?
2: Um, I'm working on, uh, yeah, basically doing ecosystem development, you know, starting up with a new ecosystem, um, how to, to, to challenge, to, to, take, to copy, uh, to, to use the, the, the knowledge of the universities and the businesses for our local challenges in our city. Um, and we went to uh, Heidelberg in Germany last, last month, um, and then they were having a, like a sort of a digital agency, that's what they called it. And mm-hmm. uh, that really made me think, because they were saying the urban development, I work in the, sector, the urban development department, and they were saying all the data-driven developments in mobility, in housing, in whatever you, you talk about it, it's just new style urban development. So come in and think of it, we should develop and I'm looking for ways to develop it right now in our city, looking a way to develop a new platform with, with triple helix, what we call it, with knowledge mm-hmm. institutions, with the universities, with the businesses, and with the public authorities uh, having more citizen engagement to instead of top-down to use them to, uh, to, to, yeah, to involve them in our decision-making and to see how we can build an online and offline platform for our data-driven uh, developments. That's what I'm doing uh, right now.
1: Thank you very much, Harold. Just delighted to have you back on the show. And thank you for sharing your personal good news with us. Wish you every, every happiness in your future together and lots of more trips and Christmas ornaments all over the world. We appreciate your share. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm all mush now. What did you do to me? Yvonne Cavallero, you have to rescue me, founder and CEO of City Beats. Yvonne, where are you calling or where do we call you today? What's your favorite drink right now or over the holidays? And give us an update on what City Beats is and what you do. Please.
3: Sure. I'm, um, right now I'm in Barcelona. I live, I work, uh, we have a um, city office in the city center, but I live uh, 50 kilometers away. And I'm at home because I wanted to be silent for this, um, for this conversation. Thank you. So I live in the mountainside in uh, in a mountain called Montsen, which is the biggest natural park here in the in the city, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I live in a in a very old farm from the uh, one thousand seven hundred. Yeah, and uh, we've been rebuilding this uh, farm during the last uh, 10 years with my wife. Uh, I think I'm going uh, in the wrong direction because the social trend is going to the city and uh, we are going to the nature. Uh, but we moved, we moved there because we wanted to uh, raise our children in a natural environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, my drink is related to where I'm living um you know we are doing some experiments around uh fermented uh drinks oh. and right now i'm drinking uh kombucha Ooh. Kombucha is a fermented tea beverage mm-hmm. uh, and it's very easy to do, to make uh it's just uh, tea water sugar and um a fermenting culture called Scobi. So uh, you leave the water, the tea, and the sugar with the scoby in, um, in a hot and uh, dark environment. And this brings uh, this, uh, this drink, this, the kombucha, which is very good uh, because uh, it's a great source of probiotics, uh, which is a healthy bacteria for the intestines, uh, has a lot of vitamins, and also helps for the detoxification of uh, of your body mm-hmm.
1: very interesting I looked that up by the way and there's an article here on how to grow a SCOBY from kombucha tea pour the raw kombucha in the cool tea in a glass jar cover it with a tight weave dish towel or paper coffee filter ferment the tea in a warm spot at 68 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit out of direct sunlight for about 7 days does that sound about right yes totally ok alright and tell us about City Beats <laughs> thank you
3: At CityBits, well, um, CityBits is a very beautiful project that started as a social uh, experiment in Barcelona in collaboration with UC Berkeley. Um, We started uh, investigating about what motivates people to help others, and uh, one of the conclusions was that people need awareness on uh, what is needed around them, so that helps them to act uh, with a clear call to action, people act easier. Easily, and um, with that, um, with that conclusions, um, we started um, developing an artificial intelligence system that allows to collect and to structure and to synthesize um, big amounts of data based on text, where people is communicating their needs or concerns or expectations. So we can provide real-time information about what are people's needs, um, and we are using this in projects um, worldwide, just to put you an example uh, on how our technology is transforming data into social value. Uh, you know that in Japan, every, every summer, there are a lot of uh, floodings, a lot of natural disasters. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's very common. And, um, the Ministry of Industry is having a lot of problems to detect which, uh, roads, for example, are suffering problems due to floodings or which beaches are dirty. So what we are using is data from social networks from what, uh, tourists are saying. So we are able to identify which roads, uh, needs to be repaired, which beaches need to be cleaned which um, mm. uh, monuments are damaged, and we can prioritize which ones have to be uh, repaired. And uh, we also use this technology to engage uh, local people in order to repair them and reward them. So I think that's a beauty, beautiful example on how to use data in order to improve society.
1: That is lovely. And by the way, when you were just starting to explain what City Beats does, Yvonne, you said it's a beautiful project. I can't remember in eight years and maybe five or six thousand panelists anybody describing a project as beautiful. And I want to thank you for that because it. it No, seriously, it shows your passion for it. It shows that there is beauty. You're talking about people. You're talking about technology. You're talking about innovation. You're talking about bringing the human and and the the supportive technology together. And I love the fact that you said it was a beautiful project. And speaking of beautiful, I have to tell you that I quickly Googled. The words, is Barcelona a smart city, just to see what came up. And I found articles from 2017 Barcelona's Smart City Revolution in Progress. Here's one called How Smart City Barcelona Brought the Internet of Things to Life. Here's another one, Barcelona Smart City 3.0. Building a Smart City Lessons from Barcelona from last year, April 2018, The Technologies that Turned Barcelona into a Smart City, and Barcelona's Smart City Vision, An Opportunity for Transformation. And those are just a a few of the many, many articles I found. So fascinating. And by the way, I interviewed a gentleman who wrote a book called Bringing Home the Birkin B-I-R-K-I-N, the famous very expensive handbag that some women search for all over the world. And it was written by a, a man who started reselling Birkins. And he traveled the world looking for either Birkins that were for resale or going to the Birkin stores and asking to see the previous year's styles. And making a deal to be able to buy that old inventory. And he had clients all over the world, but he settled in Barcelona. And the book is fascinating. So if you have a chance and you're interested, it's a couple years old called Bringing Home the Birkin. Okay, Yvonne, sound good? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And now let's move around the table. By the way, we're skipping the break. This is just too much fun to talk, and we have so much more to talk about, so we're going to keep going. Max Claps, Future Cities, Citizen Engagement, and more at SAP. Max, talk to me. Where are you today? What do you love to drink that powers you to do what you do, and what are you up to at SAP and Smart Cities? Go ahead.
0: Hey, thanks, buddy.
1: Uh, where I
0: am, same as last time as we spoke, working from home today, as I usually do when I'm not traveling, that is uh, on Lago Maggiore, uh, northwest of Milan, close to the Alps, so very beautiful location. I told you last time that I like to drink red wine, but I'm going to throw you a curveball today. Okay. I'm going to tell you <laughs> what is my favorite food instead of what is my favorite wine. Oh, go and ahead. That is called Cappelletti. Cat which is it. a homemade pasta stuff with cheese parmesan uh out of the town where I'm originally from. Uh and I, I love to prepare that myself. I, I do that often for Christmas. And like Ivan, I, I moved outside of the city a few years ago, uh so I have the uh privilege of having local farmers market where I can buy all of the ingredients for my capalete. So that's, uh, that, that's the one curveball that I have for you. Max, but Max,
1: did you know that there's an aperitif called Capaletti? Did you know that?
0: I had no idea.
1: Well, I just found it for you. Capoletti Aperitivo Americano Rosso. It's at asterwines.com. Capoletti, it's also a pasta similar to tortellini, a stuffed pasta, and I have it here. Uh, it's called Little Caps. That's what it means. But Capoletti should be the first bottle you add to your bar this spring. This is an article that says, if you don't know Capoletti, C-A-P-P-E-L-L-E-T-T-I, prepare to make its acquaintance and find out why it's the bottle that has heretofore been missing from your bar. It's bitter and herb. But just a little sweet, light on the alcohol, friendly and mellow in character, and so refreshing you can drink it just chilled over ice with nothing more than a citrus garnish. Think of it like Campari's even more drinkable cousin. It's a wine-based aperitif. Did I? Uh, is that that's news to you, Max? <laughs>
0: that's that's total news for me.
1: <laughs> there you go. Now we got a drink out of your pasta. I think that's great. That's a, a twofer. So go ahead and tell me what you've been what you've been up to. You're making me hungry and thirsty all at the same time, Max. How dare you? So go ahead. What have you been up to?
0: <laughs> so what I what I do with SAP, um, I, I lead a group of experts that uh, are focusing on the smart city, future city topic. Uh, most of the time, we have the pleasure of sitting down with people like Ivan and Arald and not necessarily talk about SAP products. We talk about innovation. We talk about how to uh, solve uh, issues that cities have or how to address their challenges around making governance more transparent, how to become better stewards of taxpayer resources, how to make mobility of people and goods easier and more convenient around the city, how to make communities uh, appear and, and attract more people in a certain neighborhood, how to increase environmental sustainability and resilience, and how to help develop the local economy, what are uh, cities trying to do to tackle those challenges. That's what I have the pleasure to do day in and day out. And of course, if at the end of it, we sell something, that's that's all good. But it's the conversation, the domain expertise that matters that makes a difference, including when you speak about patent driven innovation and, and business model innovation. And I have one last comment for Arl definitely, congratulations on your future, but wait until you have children, and all of your Christmas trinkets and Christmas trees will be destroyed very soon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that I, I what know. you really want to tell him? Is is that what you really 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 want to tell him? Max, you you're supposed to tell him something like, "I wish you great evenings cooking at home, making handmade cappelletti <laughs> pasta, and you and your wife, your new wife should have a bottle of cappelletti aperitif, which is a little bitter and a little sweet, and it'll make the pasta go down so smoothly." Max, can we reframe that, please? <laughs>
0: Let me think about it for next
1: time. You think about it for next time. I can't wait to see what the transcript looks like with all of these giggles and laughing, but I appreciate that very much. We're not taking a break, as I said, but I will interject, and you know I am not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, and you know why. So all I have here is a cool, clear glass of water. I now have a water and ice dispenser in the door of my new refrigerator. I never knew that you could spend thousands of dollars on a refrigerator. I remember back in the day when it was okay, 700 $800, now it's thousands of dollars on a refrigerator, and it's not even a smart refrigerator. I have to go back and talk to Samsung and see what they can do about that. I'm sitting here on a beautiful but very chilly day in Durham, North Carolina, looking out at a blue sky with a couple of wispy white clouds, and happy that the rain stopped. Glad that we're not in New York where it snowed a little bit, but disrupted air travel. I have a friend on the way to to Miami who canceled for one day and got rebooked for weather reason with no upcharge, thank you Delta, and is now on his way to Miami to get out of the cold weather in New York. So here I am and I'm so happy to be speaking with these three delightful, savvy, and so smart gentlemen, Harold Wouters at the City of Den Bosch, Yvonne Caballero at City Beats and Max Claps at SAP. So we're just going to keep going on. It's already 1141 here on the East Coast and we have uh, 16 minutes left to the show Let's see. We've been talking about smart cities. The theme of the show today is data-driven smart cities of the future, and we've been getting some great examples, some personal examples, and some business examples from all three panelists. So let's take a look at what we've got here in the roundtable from part one, which was a couple months ago. Uh, Let's talk about, um, let's see. Uh, Okay, list. I have a topic here. Harold, in your notes, I have a topic. As a government, also local, we have a clear responsibility toward our globe. By experimenting local solutions developed by trial and error, we can make a worldwide impact when we upscale proven concepts. And this was an example you sent me on the safe-to-bike real-time alarm system mounted on a steering wheel. Can you talk about that, the impact, the responsibility of smart cities to think about... Beyond the walls, beyond the city limits. Go ahead, Harold, and then we'll we'll see what Max and Yvonne have to say. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think all the all of the good ideas that can have a major worldwide impact all start from a small, daily life uh, solution. So, if you have a encountering a problem in your daily life, it could be really small, can really smooth in your operation, your daily what the job you have to do, what are your pains for your gains. If you look at the pains you have to do. Um, if you if it happens to you, it can happen to other people as well. It can happen to your community, to your country, and eventually to the whole globe. So I think uh, small solutions can make a really big change. But the difficulty in small solutions is the the upscaling of the solutions. We see a lot of pilots uh, going on in the, in the in the Dutch cities in Europe, um, but we have a lot of challenging uh, to to upscale them. And I think one of the major issues there is is that the focus is on really broad generic topics so just as sustainability or uh, urban mobility instead of going on the street level and asking people what their challenges are in their everyday lives and I think it's also because of all the uh, procurement rules that are uh, current now in, in the European uh, model uh, of financing so above a certain level you have to uh, make sure that you have a uh, a straight competition with other uh, parties within Europe. Um, and I think uh, and that counts for some city leaders. I think some city leaders, they always want to be the first uh, with their new mm-hmm. solution and a new idea. They want to have yeah. the media attention. And I think it really helps to be uh, a smart follower in that sense.
1: Interesting. A smart follower. So sharing of information, sharing of ideas. Very interesting. Yvonne from City Beats, why don't you share with us what do you think of what Harold just said? And do you have any examples of cities looking beyond the limits, if you will, whether they're proverbial or whether there's actually a, a, a line? Usually there's a demarcation, welcome to, you've just entered the city limits of. So in terms of cities using data to impact the globe, the environment. Go ahead, Yvonne. Sure. Yeah,
3: I I have to say that I totally agree that uh, it's really important to start uh, doing pilots, uh, doing um, very small uh, projects that uh, with also with the purpose of scaling them. And I I have a, a real example that we are uh, executing mm-hmm. right now uh, in uh, in the north of Spain. We are working with a um, with a city that is that is interested in uh, understanding. Uh, how hate speech in uh, internet can be used in order to uh, protect and to keep safe uh, very concrete um, minorities and a very concrete uh, profile of people within the city, and uh, this is a project that we are that that we are starting to um, that we are starting to do uh, with some uh, social networks in very concrete neighborhoods. And based on the outcomes of, uh, of this project, we are, we, what we plan is to scale it all across Spain. So uh, this is a very clear example on how a very concrete uh, project, very small uh, and very, let's say, um, very well performed can scale uh, and can generate a global
1: impact. Thank you very much. Max, let's go around to you. Thoughts about global responsibility of smart cities. What do you think You from your observation perch with all the people you work with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was Yvonne and yourself that mentioned that 67% of the population, global population would live in cities. But beyond that, cities already account for 70-plus percent of GDP, 75-plus percent of energy consumption. Uh, large share of greenhouse gases emissions. So whatever cities of medium to large size do will have an impact beyond their boundaries. And one example that I can think of, uh, some colleagues in the UK have been involved in the UK Plastic Mm Pact, And that is a Uh, an association, uh, an organization that brings together business, public sector, NGOs to tackle the problem of plastic waste and trying to create a more circular economy and bringing together the ecosystem. Uh, For example, retailers and enabling people when they go and do their grocery shopping to make more conscious choices. So, for instance, um, you could get a mobile app that gives you an advice on your buying packaged apples, but there are also loose apples on the other side of the store that you could buy, and your app says your impact on the environment, on recycling plastic could be X, if you buy the loose apples. And those are the kind of things that uh, drive real innovation, make an impact on the circular economy. And eventually, if multiple cities go down that path and make a positive impact on recycling plastic, we will have a global impact on UN Sustainable Development Goals metrics like uh, life below water and and clean oceans, and so forth and so on. So definitely cities have a role to play beyond their city limits.
1: Thank you very much. Good input from all the panel. I'm going to move around the table to some statements here from Yvonne Caballero. With city Beats, very interesting here, Yvonne. I don't think we mentioned this yet. If we, I know, did you mention the study you did with Berkeley? The citizens say it's not about the reward or the money, it's about the recognition. Did we cover that? I think uh, we didn't cover that. Okay, so I'm going to read that because it's very important, the concept of getting people motivated. And we're talking about data-driven, but you make a point in your notes here that it's all about people. It's all about human. That's what it comes down to. We're still people living more and more in cities. So you say, thanks to a study City Beats did with the University of Berkeley, we can affirm that 93% of citizens, everybody listen, 93%. That's like almost an A plus if you were taking a test. 93% of citizens say they are more likely to act when there is a reward. It's not about the money. It's about the recognition. Citizens are 67% more likely to take action when they see good action by others, and they know the impact of the actions will create something good in society, which is it can go exponentially. So tell me a little bit about that study. Very interesting. And, And relate the data that is, we're talking about cities embracing data, using data, leveraging data, mining data doing good things for the citizens with data, and the idea that people still just want to be recognized. Go ahead, Ivan. Sure. Yeah, as
3: I previously explained, we started like a social experiment in collaboration with UC Berkeley. And the point is that um, we found out after uh, doing some research that, uh, yeah, as you say, 93% of the people uh, have and uh, extrinsic motivation to help others. So uh, it's needed to create like a reward system. Um, and when we say reward, it goes from the soft reward to the hard reward. Soft can be a smile and a thank you or a hug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hard can be money. Uh, so people uh, with money, it's, um, it's like a double reward, let's say. So... Um, Based on these conclusions, we started working on, on CTV technology. And, uh, right now, just to put you some examples on how this can apply to the real world, uh, we are starting some conversations in Colombia in collaboration with SAP, um, in order to see how, uh, people who is receiving a subsidized because they are unemployed, they can increase the value of this, uh, subsidized based on the impact they are having in their community. Thanks to CTBs, we are able to evaluate the impact that everyone is having through their actions and through the, and monitoring the problems that the com- different communities have. So we can create a measure on the impact that everyone is having. So based on that, um, we can rework uh, with points, uh, increasing the value of the, of the subsidized of these, of these people. Um, and yeah, and that's uh, that's a real example on how this can be applied.
1: Very interesting. Thank you, Max. You want to comment on that? Anything you want to add? We're we're technically in our predictions crystal ball round now, but I'd love to quickly get a comment from you and from Harold on what Ivan just shared, Max.
0: Yeah, just quickly. I, I think the engagement, the grassroots engagement, grassroots engagement of communities. Uh, focusing the technology on something that has a purpose for people is going to make a difference, It's going to drive the social innovation. It cannot only be about the monetary reward. So I think what uh, Iban is doing with CityBeats is really, really interesting from a city perspective.
1: Fascinating. Agree. And uh, let's just quickly go around to Harold. Harold, why don't you comment on this and then we're ready for you to take 60 seconds for your prediction. Harold Watters, you're on.
2: Yeah, interesting study, uh, but I think it's all around uh, human nature. We're uh, social uh-huh. creatures, humans, and uh, the only reason uh, we're different from other creatures on this planet is that we can uh, uh, collaborate in, uh, in communities in a certain way uh, that goes beyond our our recognition or belief that we can uh, excel uh, so I, I'm, not, I'm not really surprised about the results because I think all of the the social media and all everything works with with getting likes and getting rewards and uh, games work that way and you create dopamine within your brain because of all the uh, recognition you get from other people and I think it's really uh, yeah that's how, how we work how we operate
1: that, exactly right the the physiology okay so Predictions, 60 seconds. Mr. Harold Wouters, you're up. What will change between now, let's say, and if you want to go to 2020, it's, mm, what is it, uh, let's see, 11 months away, 10 months away, or we could go to 2025. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds for predictions, whatever you want. Go. Uh, in
2: 2025, I think we will see a shift from uh, because uh, for smart cities, we're talking about it for nearly a decade right now. We see much activity, uh, but it's all being top down and has limited results. So I think we will see a shift towards where we will involve our key customers and will develop a uh, build platforms uh, where we can collect data, exchange data, and we will use uh, our, our cities uh, and our citizens in our decision making. And I think the biggest challenge for that is to develop a new mindset within the public authorities. Uh, it's really easy to, uh, to to tell people that they have to become data ready and data driven, but I think um, they have to develop a new relationship with their citizens and with their and uh, to take another role as a government. And I think we have to and we have to, we have to act act quickly uh, in order to make sure that all the we are ready for all the data driven uh, developments that are coming at us. And in twenty twenty five, I think we uh, yeah we have realized that uh, this is an uh, uh, urgent need to uh, to uh, act differently.
1: Thank you very much. Urgent need, that's a good good way to leave this conversation. Okay, let's go around to Max. So Max Claps, you're up, 60 seconds. What do you predict?
0: Yeah, Bonnie, I want to get back to what Aro was talking about at the very beginning, about data privacy and giving citizen control and safety. I'm going to be provocative. I, I'm going to say that by 2025, we will not have privacy anymore, mm. but the kind of tools that Arald was talking about will give us transparency. Each and every one of us will have transparency on how our data is being used, by who, and if we believe somebody is using that data in not in a proper way, we can... Uh, stop them. We can even get to the justice system if if that's needed. So transparency instead of privacy and control by the citizen.
1: Very, very interesting. Uh, so, uh, Max, do you think that the age of people in cities is going to impact how they embrace the idea of even sharing data at all? Is this anything that's generationally driven? We know millennials are sharing everything and they have certain values, but what about boomers? What about the greatest generation? Uh, Quickly, what's your thought? 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it's going to be a dramatic impact. And the other variable, it's the culture. Each geography, each country has a different level of trust in the government and vice vice versa, Governments have a different level of trust in citizens in every country, and that will have an impact on how quickly we embrace this future of transparency.
1: Thank you very much. We were not able to get Yvonne back, so we're just going to close the show, and I will do my usual. And thank you so much to all three of you for being wonderful panelists. Max, I think we need to do a show on specific technologies in the data-driven city, focusing specifically on IoT, Internet of Things, and on uh, AI and machine learning. I think that's another topic you and I can talk about. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? We have a shout-out, of course, to Max for putting this together. Aaron Keller, our business channel team uh, engineer extraordinaire, audio engineer, getting us on the radio and keeping us there. And so let me go back to my call to action out of order today. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? For. Go out and be a game changer right now, like Harold Wouters at the City of Denbosch in the Netherlands. And again, congratulations on your wonderful news, Harold. To Yvonne Caballero at City Beats for all the wonderful information you shared with us. And we'll talk to you again. And Max Claps at SAP. You're my hero on the Smart Cities topic. Max, everybody, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye.